this morning, uh, I want to begin by asking this question. How many of you are hungry? <laughs> I'm not talking about like presently in this moment, like you didn't eat breakfast, but hungry for more of God, right? That's what we desire. That's what we desire. And uh, many of us for the past 21 days have prayed together. You've joined the entire Foursquare uh, family across the world, and each day you've made space for time with Jesus, which has been pretty amazing. And each day through fasting, we've reminded our bodies who's in charge, you know, it's, it's, it's the Lord that's in charge. And each day we've been growing, we've been taking new steps with Jesus, we're, we're slowly being molded into the image of the Savior, amen? We're starting to look more like Him through this time, and I just wonder, how many of you would testify that these past 21 days at the start of 2023 has really been a period of growth for you? Let me see your hands. God's doing cool things in this room. That's awesome. I'm so glad to see that. Um, maybe you've experienced a closeness with Jesus like you never have before. Or perhaps you've even experienced a miracle or a, or a healing or the Lord doing something miraculous to provide for you or Maybe a relationship has been healed. I'm so glad for all these experiences and the past 21 days of walking with Jesus. We just want to say a big thank you, Lord. Will you join me in that? Thank you, Lord. 21 days has been awesome. It's really been great. But what next, right? Yeah. What now? Nobody wants to be uh, the person that's just had the greatest three weeks of walking with Jesus only for things to just to return to the way they were before. Right. Nobody wants to be like that heavyweight fighter, you know, that trains and trains and trains and gets down to their fighting weight only to, you know, after the fight is over, just completely lose control and then have none of the benefits of all that training. You know what I'm talking about? George Foreman. Think about it, right? <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't want to be the person who has just had a really growing intimate three weeks with Jesus to now, because this moment is over, to let the busyness of life rush back in and get me distracted and get me, and it won't be but just a moment, and I'll be right back where I was at the end of 2022. Yeah. And, and Victor has been challenging us yeah. to stay hungry for God. And the past three weeks has been all about hungering for more of God. And we've responded as a church with dedication and devotion for these past 21 days. Our hunger for more of God has really translated into time spent with Him in His presence yeah. and to, to fasting where we've denied ourselves. That's, that's been really, really tremendous. Yeah. But like Jen said, the event, 21 days of prayer and fasting is ending. It's over. And what will we do from this point forward? What will we do with the remaining 334, whatever days it is, in 2023? What we need is a lifestyle adjustment. Yeah. What we need are habits. Habits in our lives that reflect our hunger for Jesus. We need habits that are internally motivated from a hunger inside of us and sustained by the Holy Spirit's constant encouragement. 
What we need are hungry habits. That's right. Can y'all say that? Hungry habits. Hungry habits. Hungry habits. And we're going to talk about that for the next few moments this morning. But just to calibrate our minds on what we're talking about when someone says habit, I have uh, compiled a quick list of habits that many of us in the room have, okay? And uh, some are really good habits, some are bad habits. I'm going to leave that for you guys to decide. So this is audience participation. I'm going to put a picture of a habit up on the screen, and then I would like for you to thumbs up if it's a good habit. Got it? Thumbs down if it's a bad habit. All right? That's pretty simple. Thumbs up, good habit. Thumbs down, it's a bad habit. Here we go. Habit number one. Okay. Most are, yeah, everybody can participate. Most are, most are saying that's a bad habit. Hey, can we make this more interesting? Thumbs up if it's a good habit. Thumbs down if it's a bad habit. Point to the person next to you if they have that habit. Okay? Let's do that. I mean, I think that would be a little bit more fun. <laughs> Here we go. Habit number two. Drinking water. Drinking water. Yeah. Okay, yes. good, 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 yes. good. Yes. This lady's a water drinking. I mean, every yeah, you drink a lot of water. All right, next habit. Smoking. Okay, what do you think? Yeah? Bad for your health? Okay. Okay, very bad for your health. Good. All right. Good deal. Here's the next one. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. I see some thumbs up in the room. I'm imagining that if you have this habit, you're probably giving yourself a big thumbs up yeah. right now. Like, yeah, sarcasm. <laughs> Just like this lady. Nice job. <laughs> some would argue that's a bad habit. <laughs> Just, I'm just saying. All right. Check this habit out. Is that a good habit? Yeah. Oh, it depends on what you're reading. You Thank you, good Sam. Point. Point. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't know. All right. Here we go. Wasting time. Good habit, bad habit. This is interesting right here. I'm saying good. Okay. You're saying a good habit? I'm saying you need to waste some time All in right. your life. Okay. Good, see, this is, this is where we get into a little, I like it. Here we go. Too much screen time. Bad habit, good habit. Now, wait, now this is for people like my age, because we're staring at a big TV, right? But this is more accurate for most of us, right? Too much screen time. Good habit, bad habit. Let me see it. All right, bad, bad habit. Okay. It's hard to address in your own life, but when you see maybe your children doing it, you're like, oh, no, that's a bad habit. <laughs> All right. Eating vegetables. Good habit? Yes. <laughs> you would say, can we talk about Jared, Jared's vegetable intake for a moment? Please, talk about my vegetable intake. No, I'm just kidding. We, there's not, there's gonna... nothing to talk about. That's right. Conversation over. I don't, don't eat any vegetables. All right, next habit, moving on. Overspending. Good habit, bad habit. Okay. I'm not saying you have the habit. Is it a good or bad habit? Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> Here we go. Interrupting others. Good habit, bad habit. All right, all right. So, two thumbs down for that. All right. Here we go. Um, see what you think about this. Having a negative attitude. 
Have you ever met negative Nancy or negative Ned, you know, and you're just like, oh, will you please give it a rest, right? Okay. <laughs> most are saying bad, Jen. Most are, most are agreeing. Okay, how about, how about this one? Working hard. Good habit? Okay. How about, how about working too hard? I mean, this is all in the way you phrase it, right? Same picture shows, you know, oh, that's really good. It's a good habit to work hard. And then also, so it's really interesting how habits play out. How about this one? Throwing temper tantrums. <laughs> Some of you are saying sometimes you just have to get something done, right? <laughs> and that's the way <laughs> we go about it. Well, guys, I recently had to do an assignment where I had to go through a week and list in 15-minute increments how I spent my time in a week. That's tough. So I you know, listed everything that I did, you know, and it was like an hourly activity diary. And this is a very telling experiment, as, as you can imagine, because you really see what you're doing with your life or with your time. And I would probably say, you know, at the start of the year, and it happened during the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting, that, you know, my focus is spending time with Jesus and, you know, being with him. And, that, and that's what, like, I would say. But when I looked at this diary of what I had done, my diary didn't back up what my mouth was saying. You know, because the way I was spending my time really uh, wasn't exactly as I hoped it would be. As I looked at my weekly and my daily routines, the hunger that I really have for more of Jesus, it wasn't becoming a reality in my habits. Because I have habits that I go to. Amen? And ways that I spend my time. Ways that I spend my um, energy. So if you would express it another way, my habits, they weren't hungry. They didn't have a display of a hunger for more of God in the way that um, I spent my time. My, my habits didn't accurately reflect what was going on in my heart. I really want to spend time with God, but my habits just didn't reflect that kind of hunger. So today we're going to talk and, and just share some encouraging thoughts maybe on building habits in our lives that reflect our hunger for God. And uh, this, this is just a, a great opportunity for us to share because Jared and I, are we're walking through this right now. Yeah. And we are really coming to grips with how we've been living life. And there's some good things in it, right? Sure. But there's some things that we're, we're dissatisfied with. And so this is coming for us in real time. And we are working to look at what we're doing, figure out what we want to change, Amen. and really what it comes to is developing a hunger, a hunger for all that the Lord has for us. So that's what we want to talk about today. Uh, first, we're going to look at uh, an amazing biblical example uh, that shows hungry habits, and then we're going to talk about why we need hungry habits, and then we're going to give a few practical ideas to maybe help us all take a step in setting up some hungry habits in our lives. Amen. So everybody take out your Bible or your phone if you're tracking along and get your notes because we're going to the book of Daniel. And today we want to get into a little quick study on Daniel 
and a hungry habit in his life that we're going to see picked up. Uh, how many of you ever heard of the guy Daniel in the Bible? What's he famous for? A lot of stuff, right? Right? Lion's Den, somebody said. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to actually look at the beginning of that story in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel's a legendary hero. And he's one of, the, one of the few characters in the Bible that actually finished well. He, he really lived a life and he, he did it completely, completely faithful. From the time when Daniel was displaced from his homeland and was taken as a captive, as a refugee to the place of Babylon, all his dealings with King Nebuchadnezzar and his Hebrew friends, you know that whole story, from the time that he was taken to the time that this story that we're about to read in Daniel 6 takes place is near about 60 years, okay? So if you can kind of get a picture of what Daniel looks like at this time in his life, he's a guy who's probably about 80 years old. He's lived his entire adult life in a place that's not his homeland, in a culture that's against following God, but yet he's been faithful. And we're going to see in this story why he's lived his life this way. So let's pick up the reading. We're in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, a very famous story. goes like this. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. He appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose, who did he choose? Come on. Yeah, you can say it out loud. And two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Like, Daniel had a very high role in this empire. Like, he was given a very high position. Verse 3, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability... The king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Daniel was doing an amazing job. Who he was was getting things done, and the king noticed it. And he had plans to make Daniel be the underboss of him for the whole thing, right? Daniel is wise. He's older now, and he has great insight, and the king notices it, right? Well, sometimes... When somebody is really, really hitting on all cylinders, other people get jealous. Amen? Yeah. So let's read about it. Verse 4. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. So there's jealousy among the team. And these guys are like, man, we got this Daniel. He's too good to be true. Let's look into what he does. Let's find some dirt on him so we can, you know, get him taken down a couple of notches. So they look for ways that he's doing something wrong. But they couldn't find anything. They couldn't find anything to criticize this guy or condemn him about. I want you all to notice this and help me read it. He was faithful. Come on. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. That's a mouthful. That's, that's something that I want to have into my life to be said of me. It's the life that I want to live. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Let's continue in the story. Verse 5 says, So they concluded, Our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. 
Now we're getting to the habits of Daniel. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays, there's the word he's looking for, who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. You see what they're doing, right? They're they're setting Daniel up to take him down. Why are they going to set Daniel up? Because they know what his habits are. They know what his habits are. Now, let's read what happens. Verse 9. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, (laughs) look at this, and he knelt down, as usual, in his upstairs room, with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, what does the next line say, just as he had always done, just as he had always done, giving thanks to the Lord. That's awesome. Verse 11 says, Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. They found him doing exactly what they expected him to do because they knew that it was his habit. Take out your notes, and I would like you to jot down a few things. I want to highlight a couple of things from this passage that are really just jump off the scripture to me. First, I want you to write down that Daniel was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. This man who walked with God with habits that reflected his hunger became a man who was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Also notice this, that because of his habits and because of the way he was found, that made him useful. Made him useful to King Darius. Can I just pause right here in the moment? If our habits reflect our hunger for God, over time that makes our life useful in the Lord's hands to minister to other people. Right? So this made Daniel useful to the king. Now, this last observation is kind of the point of the whole morning. When Daniel became aware, right down aware, of the impending trouble, he did what he always did. He prayed. He did what he always did. He prayed. Friends, Daniel had a habit, a hungry habit of prayer. This was a daily routine that he kept up each and every day. We just read it in verse 10. He went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. And I, you know, I highlighted it, but I just want you to see, as usual is the key phrase there. 
It's like he always did that. It's just something that he did. That was his habit. It was his routine. Now, this wasn't like an emergency panic moment prayer. Now, I mean, don't y'all believe that Lord hears, the Lord hears those moments like, Lord, help me. Yeah, he does. He sure does. But that's not what Daniel's doing here. He's not freaking out. He's not going nuts. He's just doing what he always does, and that is go into the presence of God. In safety or danger, he prayed three times a day, good or bad. And what we can see from the scripture is like this was a habit that lasted through his entire uh, public service, through from his teenage years. He's 80, and he's been praying three times a day, every day. That's a hungry habit that I want to develop in my life, that kind of consistency. And, and that habit, I would just say it like this, that's the predictable outcome when hunger is in my heart for God. Like, that's what's going to happen if I really have a deep hunger in my heart for more of God. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale uh, said it like this. I'd love for you to check out this quote. He said, well, yeah, <laughs> I jumped it. Norman Vincent Peale said this. <laughs> I'm fighting with you, Dad. I'm sorry. All right. Repetition of the same thought or physical action develops. Y'all say develops. Come on. It develops into a habit, which repeated frequently enough becomes an automatic reflex. I love this, right? So you just you, you think the same thing. You do the same thing. You do it enough. It becomes just a reflex, in your life. It just, it just happens. It comes out. And I would submit to you guys that this is what happened in the life of Daniel. This is what happened in Daniel's life. I think something that really sticks out to me in uh, this story and in the life of Daniel is do you see how his habit, his as usual, impacted his reaction to a difficult circumstance? Yeah. See, when faced with the prospect of his own death, his hungry habit of being with God, it just took over. Mm. He doesn't run. He doesn't panic. He just does his routine. He just continues what he's always done. The habit that he has maintained for years has made him a different person. It's transformed him to the place where faith stands up in the face of fear. Hungry habits impact how you react to difficult circumstances. That's in your notes. Hungry habits impact how you react to difficult circumstances. So, can we just take a minute here and, like, get real? <laughs> Let's just think for a minute. And this could get real, like, we should probably just keep it right here. Just you, yourself, and you, you know? not somebody next to you. When life hits hard, what does your spouse or your kids expect you to do? What are they in the habit of watching you do? Do they see you making a habit of freaking out, of panicking, of maybe getting mad and snippy? 
It's really quiet in here. <laughs> I think Jared's even afraid to move. He's like, I'm not. Do they see you uh, kick the dog? No one would ever kick a dog. No. Or maybe they watch you just run away. Like something bad happens, it's hard, and you just check out. You just either literally hit the door, or maybe you just retreat to your addiction of choice. Maybe it's earbuds in, controller in hand, just, just zoning out. Whatever it is. Is that what happens when the hard times come? Is that what we run to? What is your go-to behavior? I mean, just take a minute. What is your go-to behavior? I'll tell you that mine, for a long time, has been anger and maybe a little panic mixed together so that I get a little lightheaded and I start to see spots. That's not good, y'all. No. That's not good. What's your go-to behavior? What I want and what the Lord is helping me develop is that prayer will be my predictable habit. Not worry, not retreat, not blowing a gasket, as my dad would say, not hiding, but prayer. When life happens Seeking Jesus is what I want to be my very first reaction. And so maintaining these hungry habits, they're going to impact how I react to difficult situations. When life happens, I lean on my established habits, good or bad. That's right. When life happens... I lean on my established habits, and I want those to be habits that reflect my hunger for Jesus. And these hungry habits that we're really talking about this morning are prayer, fasting, silence, and solitude. So I want to encourage us this morning. Let's, at the close of 21 days of prayer and fasting and spending time with Jesus, let's just begin to find ways to make that the norm in our life, That's right. to make it a hungry habit that we just continue in, you know, out into the future. Um, we develop, if you will, the discipline of prayer and fasting and spending time in silence. And why, do, why do we use the word discipline? Uh, most of us don't like that word, right? It, it, it represents something hard. And we don't want to talk about discipline. But really simply put, a discipline is a practice that promotes spiritual growth within a believer's life. I'll say that one more time. A discipline is a, is a practice that promotes spiritual growth inside of our lives. These disciplines are habits, hungry habits of devotion. They're habits of experiencing your faith by taking action. Um, they aren't attitudes that we have, they're practices that we actually do. The spiritual disciplines that we're talking about today, prayer and fasting and spending time in silence and solitude with the Lord, are things that you and I do. Um, there's this belief out there 
that some people are just natural born prayers, right? You ever thought that? Like, man, that dude, he prays. Or some people are like supernaturally gifted to fast a lot. Man, think about those. Those guys are super fasters or whatever. But really, that's, that's just not true at all. God wants these hungry habits, these disciplines, yes. to be a part of all of our lives. Amen? Amen. Check out what Richard Foster has to say about this. It's a long quote, but check it out. God intends the disciplines, I would say the habits, of the spiritual life to be for ordinary human beings. Yeah. People who have jobs, who care for children, who wash dishes and mow lawns. In fact, the disciplines are best exercised in the midst of our relationships with our husband or wife, our brothers and sisters, our friends and our neighbors. I share that quote with you to encourage us today that developing hungry habits in our lives is something that every single one of us can do. It's not for super Christians. It's not for um, elevated saints. It's just for me and you. We can do this. It's a practice that we can discipline or train ourselves in to do over and over again until it is a habit that will define us, right? And I know you caught it. These disciplines are practiced. See, there's a great difference between practice and performance. Practice is what we do to become better at something. Hmm. And performing is something we do for an audience. So when you think about those definitions like that, practice you do to get better, performing you do for an audience, which would you rather do? Would you rather practice prayer or perform prayer? <laughs> would Good you rather point. practice fasting or perform fasting? Mm. Is it even possible to perform silence? I yeah, don't know. I don't know. For some, it's clearly not. No. <laughs> so you read the Bible. That is something that you do. That is a spiritual discipline. You meditate on Scripture. You pray. You fast. You worship. You serve. You learn. These are activities. And the goal of practicing these disciplines is not the doing as much as it is about being being like jesus being with jesus the biblical way to grow in being more like jesus is through the rightly motivated doing of the biblical spiritual disciplines hungry habits an important verse to consider in this discussion about establishing habits or disciplines of prayer and fa fasting, it's located in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. <laughs> Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Scripture says it plainly. Train yourself to be godly. The goal is to be godly. 
to become like Jesus by being with him so much that I begin to look like him. I begin to sound like him. The means to that goal of being like Jesus is through disciplined practice of activities that will keep me right up beside him, actually leading me to become like him. Hungry habits are a means of receiving his grace. These habits are a means of receiving his grace. I'm experiencing that. The more I lean into him, the more I am just engulfed in his grace and in his mercy. These hungry habits allow us to repeatedly place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. So the bottom line um, for me is that I want to practice these habits personally. I just want them to become a part of my life. I need those routines. I need that kind of habit that routinely pulls me into the presence of God on a daily, daily basis. Um, And where do I look for examples of how this works? We just saw one from Daniel. But I would also submit to you that Jesus, his life, as we read it in the Gospels, gives us a great example of how to have those kinds of practices, those habits in our life. So on the back of your note sheet for later, I gave you some homework today. Uh, there's a little, uh, a little looking into the prayer and fasting and solitude habits of Jesus. So sometime this week, I just encourage you, look that over. Look into the scriptures for yourself and see what you can learn about the habits of Jesus and the way that he lived in prayer. But I'll just sum it down for you like this and say that the biggest thing that I learned from the life of Jesus and the prayer life of Jesus is that his hunger for being with the Father developed into a habit of prayer. I desire that in my own life. I want to have prayer be such an ingrained reflex of mine that it could be said of me, just like the 80-year-old Daniel, that guy knelt down and prayed just like he always does, as usual. Or like it was said about Jesus, that he would always pull himself away, and often he would pull away to be with the Father. So we're going to finish this morning by sharing with you guys some practical suggestions for building hungry habits, something that we can all do. We've covered a whole lot of ground this morning, but we're going to wrap it up with giving you some really simple things that you can engage in. Hope you have your notes. By engaging in prayer and fasting and silence these last 21 days, I want to congratulate you already because you're already well on your way to establishing a habit. What we're saying today is keep it up. (laughs) Let's keep going, right? Let's don't stop now. So here's some really practical next steps, continuing our habits in prayer and fasting and silence. First is this, establish the mindset, write that down, that prayer, fasting, and silence are the norm in your life, not the exception. Prayer, fasting, spending time in silence with the Lord, that's just the way I am. That's who I am. And like, I don't know about you, but like I can get caught up in the inspiration of, man, the whole church is doing this, and let's all do it together, and I don't want to miss out on what's going on, you know? But then when, when it stops being a program, 
When it stops being an event, it really, really falls off our, my, of my attention, you know? And so I can be trained in my mind. I can have the mindset to believe that praying and fasting and spending time in silence is something that we only do for special occasions. We only, pray, we only fast at the beginning of the year, and sometimes if they make us at Lent, you know? <laughs> but really... The norm for a follower of Jesus, everybody say the norm, is just to be a person who has these routines in their life, their habit. So we've got to demolish the, the mindset that says we just do this on you know, special moments. Um, hungry habits should be as big a part of your identity as your name or your weight or your hair color, or if you don't have hair, just to be part of your identity, right? That's who you are. That person prays because he's a follower of Jesus. That person fasts because he's a follower of Jesus, right? So it's got to be part of our, of our identity. You know, when Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount about praying and fasting, he did not say, if you pray, but when you pray. He didn't say, if you fast, he said, when you fast. So it's kind of an understood thing for the followers of Jesus to have this identity. I'm a follower of Jesus, so I pray. It's my routine. I'm a follower of Jesus, so fasting is a part of my life. I'm a follower of Jesus, so I spend time in silence in his presence. Another thing, uh, and I, th I just think this is really key, is ask the Lord to make you hungry. See, we, we often will say, you know, I'm going to pray more, or I'm going to read my Bible every day. But if that desire isn't present in my life, the vague intention of doing more or being better has a really slim chance of actually becoming progress in my disciplines. And so I think that there are some of us in the room who really, we're just pretty uh, satisfied with the way things are, you know? We've, we've been this way for a while. Things are wor working all right. I'm good. But I believe there's some of us in the room that we are feeling dissatisfied. And we are wanting something different. Well, can I just, I just want to testify that if you will ask the Lord to stir up a hunger and a thirst in you for Him and His Word, he will. He will. And you'll experience a little bit of dissatisfaction with maybe the way it's always been. But in that dissatisfaction, you will find the desire to change what you're doing on the daily. You will find the desire to make a plan. <laughs> To not just say, you know, I'm going to pray more. But instead to set some, some uh, steps to help you get there. Straight up, ask Jesus in prayer to make you more hungry for his presence. Ask him to grow a deep longing in your heart for time with him. For more of his life in your life. Oh, he has promised 
that he will fill our hungry hearts. He will quench our thirsty souls. So just a really practical step this morning. Start by praying and asking the Lord to make you hungry. And then as he does, and you begin to um, step into trying new things, something that has really worked well for me, set reminders on your phone and experiment with praying multiple times a day. Set reminders on your phone and experiment with praying multiple times a day. Now, I know it's simple, but this is a powerful tool to help you keep your hungry habit in front of your face. That's what it takes for me. We have been told that good followers of Jesus always have a daily quiet time. But what if there's even more? But wait, there's more. (laughs) Remember Daniel's hungry habit? How many times a day did he pray? He prayed three times a day. For over 1,600 years, Benedictine men and women have prayed seven times a day. Seven? Yes, <laughs> seven times a day. And, you know, it's not motivated by becoming the most prayerful person in the world, but just wanting to be nearest to the heart of Jesus. So maybe a good first step might be to experiment with midday prayer or an evening prayer. And for me, uh, I need more of the Word of God in my life and in my mind. Uh, This past fall, talking about spiritual warfare and using it is written to combat the lies of the enemy. I started putting scripture, and it comes up every day on my phone. And I'm learning to memorize, but even if I can't memorize, it's right there so that I can get that word in me. There's a cool app. It's called Lectio 365. If you like apps, uh, I love this app. They have, a, they have all kinds of prayers on there, but you just start the day or end the day with focusing, setting your busied, scattered thoughts back on Jesus. You can use apps like that to set a reminder on your phone. Because if I don't have a reminder, I'm just zipping through the day and I miss it. But when my phone goes ding, 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 I look at it and I go, you know what? I do want to do this. This is something that I want to take time right now in the middle of what I'm doing. Because this is the habit that I'm wanting to build. Read the Psalms. To the Lord in prayer. Uh, I love praying the Psalms. And sometimes if I get stuck and, you know, it's like it's time to pray, but I'm not feeling it because I've got my, my brain all in the numbers. And I can't, I just open the Psalms. Read a prayer. Yeah. Let, the, let the word be the word, right? Amen. Um, the point is, try adding something new to your prayer routine. Freshen things up. Let your hunger for the presence of Jesus, lead you to try some new things. Amen. You know, uh, just being transparent, um, some of us have these things uh, that are like tracking us, right? Some of you may be against that. but And it, and it buzzes and it says, get up and walk. <laughs> You've been sitting too long. It says, drink some water. And you, okay, yeah, I got to do that. Is it too much to ask to break into your day to remind you to pray? You know? 
Um, I, I get these updates that tell me who's injured on the Dallas Cowboys all the time, right? And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> Is it too much to ask to have a reminder pop into my life to say, hey, remember Jesus right now? That's a good thing. As the band comes up and we get ready to spend some time in reflection, I want to share one final thing. Experiment with fasting one day a week. Wait a minute. What? I thought we were done. <laughs> right? This was supposed to be the end. We got here, right? We're done. No, actually, throughout church history, followers of Jesus have practiced regular, planned fasting. In the Old Testament, actually, uh, by the time of the prophet Zechariah, we understand that they had, in the, in the Jewish tradition, four regular fasts that were just a part of their year. It was a part of the calendar. They did that. Um, and then, you know, there's that guy, that Pharisee that comes to Jesus uh, in Luke 18, and he's boasting a little bit, and he gets checked on it. But he says, you know, I fast uh, twice a week, you know. And then we have, um, from church history, uh, a document they call the Didache, and it's really just an instruction manual for first, second century Christians. And even the early church fathers mentioned the practice of fasting two days a week. So early followers of Jesus were in the habit of fasting two days a week. It wasn't too long after um, that, that regular fasting was made uh, obligatory for people in the church. By the 6th century, the church had said, let's all fast on Wednesday and on Friday. That was what church, the church did for many, many centuries. If you bring it up more to modern times, uh, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he tried to revive those practices within Methodism, and he actually... Um, said, we're going to fast as a group on Wednesday and Friday, and he actually made it a requirement. If you were going to be a minister in the Methodist church back then, you had to fast on Wednesday and Friday. The point of all this history is to, is to say this. Fasting is just a part of our following Jesus, and it should be a part of our life. So the encouragement is just to, you know, try something. Experiment with it. Can I also remind you that, um, you know, practically, you could try just like not eating after dark until the sun comes up the next day. Do you know that's where the term breakfast comes from? Break fast, right? So maybe that's a way you could give it a shot. One day a week, say, I'm not going to eat after dark. But, and, you know, when the sun comes up the next morning, I'm going to eat, I'm going to fast that evening. Or perhaps just flip it over and do it the opposite way. Like when I wake up in the morning, I'm not going to eat until supper time, you know. One day a week, give that a try in your life. And remember, as Vic has been saying, this is one more time to tell your flesh, look, you're not in charge of me. You're not the boss of me. Jesus is, and I can, I can tell my flesh, no, I'm putting you to death. And I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. Remember, the goal is to be with Jesus. Not to talk to others about how hard it is. Not to brag to others about how bad it is when you're fasting. The goal is to put yourself in a place to be with Jesus. And I just want to remind you guys that Jesus promised that he would fill hungry hearts. He promised that he would quench those souls that are thirsty. 
Blessed are you who hunger and thirst after righteousness because you will be filled. Let's develop those hungry habits and be filled with all of Jesus that we can possibly stand. I hope you can hear. We're not bringing a list of checkboxes, and I love checkboxes. But this is not about checkboxes. This is about developing, nurturing a hunger for Jesus. That your only response to that hunger is to practice these disciplines, to put yourself in a place to be a recipient of His mercy and grace. That's what we're talking about. So as we take a minute to think on what some things maybe have been said and also to just invite Holy Spirit, come, speak to me in this moment. Here's some questions to think about. What are some lessons that you can learn from Daniel's habit of prayer? His as usual. What are some lessons there to pick up? What changes is the Holy Spirit asking you to make in order to be more hungry for Him? Because, see, I believe He's going he's gonna to bring something to you that says, if you'll lay that aside, there's, there's more room for me. And what are you willing to try this week to begin to build lasting, hungry habits in your life.